Follow us on Twitter at World Talk Radio. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Power of Water. It, it, today is uh, the 14th of March, and I'm looking at what is happening around the world. <clears throat> Our population is growing about a million a month, better than a million and a half a month around the world. The population last week grew by 1,446,189 people. The population on our planet that we share together and live together as a, as a family of people is 6,905,799,000. Six hundred and thirty-one people, and it will reach seven billion this year. And what we're thinking today, because of what happened to Japan on Friday, March eleventh of two thousand eleven, is the earthquake and the tsunami that just devastated our, our our family of this planet Earth that we're all thinking about and praying for today. And but around the world. We've had earthquakes. We've had flash floods. We've had a lot of things going on because the environment has changed since the beginning of time. It is changing, and we're living on Earth with Earth. The power of water, the reason I chose that show title, and I had been studying water for over 30 years, is it is a fact. Water has a power. We must drink water all day. We're made up of mostly water we came from our mother's womb of water. We entered in the air we breathe. The water on the earth that we have in the lakes, the streams, the, the rivers, the oceans, the puddle, uh, the water internally in us is like a river flow. It's vital to keep those cells cleansed. We must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. But we also must have moisture in the air, the moisture we can't see, to be able to keep our organism flexible and, and, and detoxifying and and, and reliable to where we can learn more. And what is happening on Earth is the power of water was ignored. We didn't realize how powerful it is. And if with, but without it, we don't have that planet. We can stand away from the solar system and look at the planet Earth. It has the water. Can you imagine what that influence is to the rest of the solar system with the planet Earth having water that must maintain a life? Let's think about that. The, the Power of Water radio talk show is the only radio talk show like it in the world. We discuss life-threatening water wars that are being caused because of the fear of lack of water. Can you imagine in those deserts not having water 
and the future of no water? Can you imagine in countries of the world that you've been hearing about polluted waters that are so bad in the rivers that people can literally jump in and die just because of the pollution? The global water and health crisis is there. Interviews have been going on with our show for over four years. We've had 360 guests from Nobel Prize winners, authors, physicians, people of all walks in life. We've been in Holland, Ethiopia, Kenya, around the world. This is a very exciting show. I am so proud of this show. We just went to what's called a natural products expo in Anaheim, California, that was a big expo for all the natural products. And I will tell you, it's the first time I'd been, because we've been in the medical field all these years in my research with water. We're the first company in the world to be in the medical field with 100% water to miss the eyes for supplementation because dry eye is going to blindness and millions and millions of people are going blind. Well, we were at, I was a guest for Health Enterprises at the Expo, and oh my gosh, it was something that I wish all of you could have, have experienced. We were there with all of the protein drinks and the snack bars and the protein powders and the juices and the smoothies and the supplements and uh, I might as well say the carrots and the broccoli and everything you can imagine to the flowers and and products that are natural. And our product, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, of course, is the only 100% natural eye product in the world. There can be an eye drop that says they're natural. They're not really natural. They're a formulated compound eye drop. Um, but we are, there are other products out there that say they're natural for the eyes. They're not. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only one with no chemicals, no formulated compound, no preservatives, no saline to burn and blur it's, uh, and to supplement the eyes. So we were there with Health Enterprises. I will share with you. I will do everything I can to let you know when the next one's going to be on the East Coast because it will be so important that the world will know that the nature of your life is coming to you now. It's going to be available to you all over the country and the world of what is the education, what can we learn about is what's causing naturally, whether it be the itch on the toe to a dry eye to an, uh, uh, all the things that can happen to an individual to even a diagnosis of cancer. What can you do to learn more about how to help yourself? That's with nature. That's who you are. That's you. Today I am so excited. We have Robert Weir with us again. Robert just got back from a long trip. I could hardly wait to get him on the show. We had him last year. He's the author of Earth Day, and you know Earth Day is coming. But he's also committed to the nature study of the earth, and, and he loves the, I'm, we're lucky, he likes water. He understands the power of water. And he just went to the community, a community in India uh, with his travels this last year, and he's going to tell you about he was on a sailboat with a lot of people traveling ar- around the world, and after he left, there was a flash flood, and and the Indus River in India. So we have a lot to talk about today. He'll be on for the full hour, uh, and I am excited. I think we're going to learn a lot, and we'll be talking about what he believes about the power of water and the climate change and what he's been learning. This is a very famous author, a man who's been called out to 
go around the world and to learn as much as he can. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eye with 100% water. It's just a mist. We'll be right back with Robert Weir. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Robert, are you with us? Hello, Sharon. Good morning to you. Well, good morning to you, too. And I'm sure you heard what I had mentioned about the power of water before the, when the show began. Yes, yes. And you understand that well because you've been studying nature and you've been studying the water. You've been on the water. You've been an avid uh, sailing the waters. Uh, you go sailing every week, but you sail the waters around the world. Before we begin on Earth Day, and we want to discuss that before we get into your trip. Okay. Isn't it, Can you imagine our prayers and the devastation of what is happening around the world uh, with the earthquakes and the flash flooding, and now what's happened uh, in Japan with the tragedy of an earthquake, tsunami, and now questioning the nuclear power facilities and what the contamination might be. It sounds like it would be okay, but they're working at learning because this is a new experience uh, with that. Uh, But give us your thinking about... uh, um, about what's happened, and you probably would like to offer to the audience some of your thoughts. Sharon, in regard to the power of water, when I observed the news coverage of the tsunami uh, coming across Japan, uh, the shoreline there, and the in, going inland, carrying with it buildings and automobiles, debris, uh, perhaps human bodies, you know, who knows what was on this massive wall of water, 20 to 30 feet high, and watching this powerful wall of water uh, just crash into large buildings and within a few seconds move them. You know, we think about how wonderful is that it is that we humans have created these buildings, and that is absolutely fantastic, what we can do with technology and workmanship and building materials. And then to see the power of water come along, uh, doing what it does naturally sometimes in a tsunami, wipe out 
that which has been man-made created. Uh, it, it just is astounding to see how much power there is in water. And Robert, they mentioned, and I'm just mentioning uh, what I heard on the news, that uh, what they had described, and I hadn't studied this, so I'm going based on what the news release said, that that was 500 miles an hour wave. My gosh. And I know, I was shocked. Now, I didn't go study that before I said it. It said it, but the news said it's a 500-mile-an-hour wave. Now, the people in that particular community that was impacted near the, um, where the most impact was only had 14 minutes to evacuate. Wow. And I, I was saying to my husband, Bill Kleiner, I was saying to Bill, I said, you know, 14 minutes. My God, and then you're standing there in awe within a moment or two or longer, thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to grab? And then you've got to go running. And then something you've never experienced, you've never seen, really, you've heard of them, begins to happen. Yes. And then all of a sudden, um, and the country of Japan, um, Robert, have you been to Japan? I have not, not yet. I have. The last summer, I was there last year. <coughs> and when I flew in during the day, I was just in awe of the water. And I uh, came over the top of the water to get to the island, and Bill and I. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw all these waters uh, um, all over the place, and lakes, and um, uh, it, it just was green. And I was so c- uh, conscious of the fact that everything looked so manicured, gorgeous, and natural, yes. uh, wetland. And then when I got into the Hilton Hotel, and I'm looking from a pie down onto their, some of their buildings, they had grow lawns on top of the group buildings for environmental reasons. Everything mm-hmm. is spotlessly cleaned and respected that this is Earth's nature. Yes. Even the train stations, uh, uh, we took the bullet train to go to Osaka. Um, we were there visiting with Roto uh, mm-hmm. Company, and uh, they wanted us to go down to see their research facility. And all, we were going down, and you, in the train, you could not find one piece of paper, Robert, laying on the train track at the train station. Um, everything is so consciously taken care of. That's and then beautiful. Now they've had this awakening. And, and I'll call it an awakening because you were right about we humans. We draw the water. Um, I have been a loving water, Robert, like you. I love the water. I mean, the word love, passion, <laughs> yeah. uh, to the water. Uh, my parents would go to the water to fly fish. Uh, uh, I started swimming young, and I was very excited about swimming to the edge of a rapid to see if I could get to the other side, and my parents would just cringe. And we'd go to the, uh, the ocean and put on our, a boat. I'd be across the bay swimming and come back with barnacle cuts, and my father would go, oh, my God, gosh. And uh, all of a sudden, here we're looking, and you've been sailing for a long time, and we'll talk about that. We draw to water. We even pay a fortune. We'll pay a million dollars to be next to a lake that's maybe even contaminated to have a house or a place of real estate next to water. I think I've heard that 60% of the world's population lives in coastal areas, either inland lakes or And pay or, a fortune the, to be the there. Mm-hmm. A life dream. And you, like you said, those buildings were there. And they know, and, and there's nothing more than the Japanese wonderful people that probably woke up thinking, I wanted to be near the water and I knew tsunami was, was, could come one day. Now, along the Oregon coast, 
which I am from Oregon audience. I'm sitting in southern Oregon. Whenever you go to the Oregon coast, in our motel rooms, it says tsunami warnings. Everything, and it had tsunami signs along the highway, tsunami in the hotel. Uh, but there was always that, uh, be aware, there could be a tsunami. And uh, so those of us around the world have uh, been aware. But until it comes, you're still loving the water. That's right. And I think even after a tsunami comes through, we love the water. We respect it more, uh, but we certainly don't, because we're drawn to water so much. I mean, we came from water through our evolution. I don't think that we will ever get to a point where we do not love water as well as respect it, admire it, uh, stand in awe of it. Uh, Well, we get on these expensive cruises, and we go across water that has moments of what? Um, and you, t- and we're going to hear from you about your trip. And you hear about these people in the awe of life, going across waters of the world, and and the power, and knowing that it's there. It's, it has a power, and it's going to be. We're living with nature, and nature is where we're at. We have to live flow with the water, with the nature of our lives on the surface of the earth or on the water. So. Um, but tell us, Robert, about Earth Day before we get into your trip. Earth Day okay. is coming, and tell uh, Earth, us the history of it. Earth Day is coming, and it's coming faster than probably the majority of the population realize, or it's coming sooner. Uh, many people, most people in the United States, recognize Earth Day as April 22, and that is not the original Earth Day. It is not the true, real Earth Day. Well, we want to talk about, I have a thing, Robert, and I want my audience to know, we want the real thing. <laughs> when was the real one decided and how was it decided? The real Earth Day occurs on the spring equinox, which is March 20th of this year. Sometimes, some years it's March 20 or 21 or 22, depending upon where you are on the, around the international date line. And it originated in 1970, as did the April 22 Earth Day. The April 22 Earth Day was originally called an environmental teach-in, which had value of environmental awareness. But the spirit of the real Earth Day on the spring equinox, as defined by visionary John McConnell, is for a global celebration. April 22 focused on environmental pollution, the negative aspects of industrialization in the United States, and Earth Day on the spring equinox is a global holiday. So the United Nations participated and other countries participated in the real Earth Day. That is correct. The United United Nations still continues to celebrate the Earth Day uh, on the spring equinox. On March 20th, the Earth Society Foundation, which is a non-governmental organization that John McConnell founded, will be celebrating the Earth Day again at the United Nations by the ringing of the peace bell there in the Rose Garden that overlooks the Hudson River. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful outdoor facility. The peace now, where, bell. Uh, tell us about where that's at. The, the peace bell is in the Rose Garden. Uh-huh. Roses and the Flower Rose uh-huh. at the United Nations. It's on the east side of the United Nations building. It overlooks the East River. Okay. Uh, I've been there for those celebrations myself. Oh. And what's interesting is that, uh, well, e- the original Earth Day started in 1970, 
1971, uh, at the first anniversary, the Secretary General of the United Nations, U Thant, rang the peace bell as part of the uh, Earth Day celebration then on the spring equinox. In 1972, Secretary General uh, Kurt Waldheim continued Uthant's tradition, and he rang the peace bell. And there was also a tremendous 12-hour-long uh, television program broadcast on 60 network-like stations on environmental awareness uh, on that Earth Day in 1972. And every year since, the Earth Society Foundation has continued the celebration of having a dignitary sometimes a person within the United Nations and sometimes a person who's environmentally known else in other ways, ring the peace bell at the moment of equipoise, at the exact moment, moment. when oh. the earth is in balance according to the measurements. And, and the that's what this, earth, this yeah. is what this is all about. You know, yeah. uh, to say a little something different here for the moment, last weekend I was a guest for a company out of Boston to... Uh, represent and do a personal thing at the what's called a natural product expo robert yes. in anaheim and they have one west and one east and i have not been because i've been in the medical field all these years now we're moving into the natural product side because we are 100 percent all natural well anyway um i was so excited i thought i was i told the people in fact i had a close friend who had just flown in from japan before the earthquake happened and she arrived on friday by the by the way and anyway i was telling yoshimi and my husband, oh, my gosh, I think I died and went to heaven. Look at all these wonderful um, the people that are representing the food and the, and the juices and the, what, where you get your protein and where you get your vitamin and all these people that are connected to all the word nature. And you can, I can look back when people thought health food, what's health food? Grow a garden, pick mm-hmm. the fruit off the tree, or take a vitamin. Go see your doctor. Open the medicine cabinet. And uh, don't think about the nature. Think about quick fix. And uh, what you're saying about Earth Day is we're connecting. This is what I liked about it uh, here, Robert. We're connecting now around the world with what the nature of all of us was all about. And they cannot be dishonest about it. They've got to come to... You've got to be honest with the fact that this is nature. We're not made up like a robot and, and greased up and, and programmed up and computered up and softwared. We're nature. Yes, yes. In and you only beauty- can have Earth Day on the nature of the Earth. <laughs> uh, and Earth Day on the day when the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere share sunlight equally. Exactly. I mean, two days when that occurs each year, the summer, or the uh, the spring equinox and the fall equinox, and most people live in the northern hemisphere. That's where the greatest land masses are, and so in the on the spring equinox, it's the reemergence, the rebirth. It's the Easter time uh, of of our life, of our annual life cycle, and that is the day when John said, John McConnell said, we need to celebrate. Uh, Earth's oneness, our connectivity, this connection between the northern and the sun. And it brings us together. Like you, one of our shows, you said you, I, I'm very, uh, I'm who I am uh, on the air, on the show, as much as uh, walking the street, what I do every day. I'm just as who I am. So if I say I have a teardrop of what you just said, John, based on the fact we humans have to learn something very quickly for all our sakes, 
everybody's sake, for our future of our generations and all those babies to come and those children today that are so perfect, we cannot go around and say, that doesn't fit us. We're going to make it into man-made. <laughs> We've got to learn the earth is here. We're here to live at the earth. And the earth will be disturbed. It'll have its moments, if we're not cautious, to respect the fact nature always comes first before the second thought. <laughs> and earth Day that. was chosen, and, and that's why I said to you, my tears, and right now as you're talking, now the United, this became a world decision, not based on the politics of the world and what they wanted for them. This was a global decision that Earth Day would be uh, uh, to celebrate spring and fall um, together. Now, and the bells will ring. The bells will ring. Wouldn't it be something if everybody could ring a bell at the same time? There have been some Earth Day celebrations around the world where bells oh. have rung, kites have flown, because we all share the air also. And so there, there are organizations, oh. national kite societies, for that oneness awareness uh, theme. Oh, how? Yeah. And it, it was in the fall of 1969 that John McConnell announced the plans for Earth Day at a you know, very large United Nations conference being held in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when the United Nations chose to get behind uh, John McConnell's idea. Oh. The vision came with him and with his people, the Earth Society Foundation. But uh-huh. then the United Nations uh, got involved with it also. And, um, you know, it, it really was an internationally accepted mm-hmm. day. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful celebration. It's the awareness of our connectivity, our oneness that we share throughout the world, regardless of, of where we live. Well, or it is a one thing. Yeah. It's the planet Earth one. Right. <laughs> you know, right. today we do, we're not going to have him on. He'll be on later. But we've had many times Dwayne Cecil, um, whose background is with NASA for many, many years, went with the U.S. US Geological uh, Survey, and then... Um, he was mentioning where the shuttle's going up that one more time and not going up again, and they're putting investment towards studying water of the uh, of Earth and around the United States. So it's a priority, and he's one of the leaders. And um, we'll have him on about that and the tsunami and the water and the world. But we have said over and over again, this is one planet. And I mentioned, uh, Robert, I said, Dwayne, wouldn't it be fascinating if we could just step away from Earth, all of us, and take a peek at Earth like we're sneaking in and notice the rest of the universe's relationship with the planet Earth because we have the water. Yes. We yeah. have the water. And mm-hmm. it must have a, very, a great influence on the rest of the solar system if we have the water. I would imagine. Oh, yes, of course. Well, in, in, look at the, the word universe, and being a writer and speaker, I'm very much tuned into words. You look at the, un, the word universe, it begins with the, the, the Greek word uni, U-N-I, which means one, and then it's verse, which is the Latin word to turn. Mm-hmm. So the word universe really means to turn as one. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are doing as a human species in connection with all other species, whether they be even rocks and plants to animals. The soil, the soil is living. Sure. And we are part of the one universe in which we all turn. It's, mm-hmm. So even, even the earth as we know it is not, uh, well, it's an entity, but it's not the sole entity. It is part of the solar system, part of the Milky Way, Part of the universe. 
part yep. of the universe. We're just a part. We're a part of it. And you know, uh, uh, when Cecil, when they found ice on the moon, and and they were fascinated. And I had him on just right after that. And I said, did they possibly stand away from the moon and take a, a vision of how much moisture that was influencing just by finding that ice? Uh, and it's such a, a truth. A truth that if you, if the Earth has water. There's got to be an influence all over the universe that it has the water. And we have an important role here on Earth. We're living here to represent each other, but we're representing a miracle, a miracle, the power of water. And like you said earlier, we built those buildings. I, I live audience next to the water and the river. Mm-hmm. And I love oh, it's so beautiful, and, but I know that if it decided to come up again, it hasn't come up for years, but if it decided to do it, I have a house that's going to go with it maybe someday, Robert. Um, and uh, But it, that's the part of living on the water. And then if you have a tsunami warning future, it's part of living and being on the water or going on a boat, going on the boat and what might change. It's part of respecting Mother Nature. It's part of respecting the, the environment in which we live on. And respecting the environment doesn't mean, just mean that we don't litter or that we you know, don't put our trash out on the road, but it also means that we respect that power of all of nature in which we live. And power or nature does, well, it's like a friend of mine who, who's a real baseball fan says, Mother Nature bats last. You know, she gets to, to come up to the well, plate probably after, first and last. after humanity has, has done whatever it wants to do, and Mother oh. Nature is going to bat last. Uh-huh, and, that is a good one. I like that one. Yes. Now, let's uh, real quickly, and I'm going to mention something real quick, and then we'll go over to your trip, and everybody to celebrate Earth Day coming. It is such an exciting. Wouldn't it be fun if everybody could take a bell and run outside uh, and ring a bell uh, during that day? Uh, the other one I want to mention is when we're walking along the ocean, there's such a respect to the ocean, too. We had a close friend this last year. They have condos on the ocean up in Lincoln City, and, and one, this, one of them, the men who had been there forever was walking along on a rock, and, uh, and a, a very uh, um, a surprise wave came too high. Unexpectedly, it was a nice day, swept him out, and he yeah, died. And we have to learn that there is a power to all water, whether you're in the... Uh, rivers or you're in a lake, uh, how you're going to get back to shore, what you're doing with uh, next to the ocean, walking along the beach. It could be an unusual wave, which has happened to some young people up in Oregon again this last year, as there was an unexpected wave that took us some kids on a school trip mm-hmm. out, to, out uh, unexpected, height of a wave. So yeah. we have to always know that when we're in the water, in, near the water, uh, on a boat, whatever, to respect it. Now, Robert, I'm not going to have a commercial uh, yet. I want to go on. I want to hear about your trip this last summer. Tell our audience about how you prepared for the trip on the sailboat and what you did. Well, uh, so, are we talking about the sailboats now or are we going to talk about India? Well, which one do you want to do? Can I tell them about your sailboat in the water and move into India? <laughs> well, let's, let's do that. If, Whichever one you want to do, you're my guest. Well, I, I asked because the uh, when we talked before, just uh, I think it was three weeks ago, we talked a lot about the sailing adventures. But for the audience who has was not part of that show, uh, yes, I went uh, sailing on a tall ship across the Atlantic from Barbados to Spain. Then I flew to Greece. 
and sailed in a tall ship's regatta uh, competing with, well, I was on one of 21 ships representing 15 nations, and we sailed on the Aegean Sea, through the Dardanelles, through Istanbul, Turkey, uh, to the uh, Black Sea, and then to Varna, Bulgaria. And how many people were with you? Uh, on the across the Atlantic, there were 82 passengers and about 120 crew members. On the uh, the tall ships regatta, there were about 30 or 35 of us on board. Most of them were sail training cadets, mm-hmm. some young people, 18 to 22 years of age, who had never been on some had never been on the water before, mm-hmm. and uh, they were learning how to sail. And so, and they spoke primarily uh, uh, Bulgarian, so that was an interesting experience. And people can come to your website and learn more about that one. Yes. Uh, I'm sure. What is your website, real quickly, before we go on to your trip to India? Okay. Uh, what's the website address? My website is my full name, Robert M. as in Martin Weir, W E I R, Robert M. Weir. Dot com. Good. And they can learn more about that because the people are curious. Now, tell yep. us about your trip to India. Uh, one more water adventure, adventure okay. first. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Then I Go went ahead. to Germany, and I got aboard a um, a uh, passenger and cargo freighter, a container and uh, ship that also carries semi truck trailers, <laughs> and I took that from uh, Lubeck, Germany, to Saint Petersburg, Russia. So mm-hmm. between the uh, first part of April and into June, uh, I was on the water for 33 days on a total of three different vessels. Uh, and the weather that you had was oh, wonderful. wonderful. Wonderful, lucky. Yeah, and you get to experience sunlight. You talk about the power of nature, too, uh, too Sharon. Uh, when I was on Translubeca, the ship I was on the Baltic Sea, it was just about the time of the summer equinox, you know, one quarter of the year away from where we are now. Oh and it was the time of the white night. When you're that far north, the the sun set at about 12.30 and came up about 3 a.m., and it never got dark. Oh, my God. So you're looking out at at the ocean like it's... Like you could almost see to the end of the earth, and you're like the Baltic. Yeah, it was the Baltic Sea, and yeah, there were no trees on the horizon. No, I was was a couple hundred feet up above the water line, sitting you know in my my cabin was quite Uh high on the vessel, almost as high as the bridge, and uh, and I chose not to close my drapes. I wanted to see that sunlight, and so the power of nature kept me awake oh. all, uh, two hours during the night, and I'm not sure that I slept that well because it was not dark. Uh, oh. you know, but I wanted to experience this, uh, whether, it's, whether it's sunlight over the water or water itself. It's all what beautiful. What a nature powerfully experience beautiful. to write about for you as an author. <laughs> no, I, and I am writing the stories, and, and I've got stories and photographs of all of this on my website at Robert you write M. poetry by chance? Yes. Yeah, can you imagine that one? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So well, wonderful. Then, I, I, I'm so happy for you because you've been connected to the nature for so long. You've been a very well-known author, uh, involved with so many people around the world that are uh, very uh, outgoing and 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 a sophisticated and down to earth and yet very very prominent people who have st- stayed the course on bringing nature to the audience of the whole planet and you've done that with your books. Um, well, thank you, but again, Sharon. I wanted the audience in this show to hear about that connection too. Um, but now, when you went into India, tell us about your what, what were you what, what you went to India and why did you go? Well. 
throughout my entire trip, I went as a writer. I, I want people to know that I did not just go on vacation. I was went for the purpose of writing a book about the experience, and I have I'm in the process of publishing that book type of stories on my website. I, I for the most part, I did not stay in hotels, but I stayed with people's homes mm-hmm. in people's homes, so I could absorb their culture, try to learn from them, and that's what I experienced in India also. I was in India for a total of one month. About two weeks were in Delhi, and two weeks were in the Himalayas. Much uh-huh. of that time was in a um, the community of Lay. That's so you were out. in the Himalayas on the India side, on the, on the, China the Indian side. side. That's right. I, I never when I, once I got to India, I didn't leave India until I flew back to Chicago. Okay. So, well, yes, I was in the Himalayas, but I did not get into Nepal or Tibet or that part of China. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And uh, Leh is in the Ladakh region mm-hmm. of, uh, of the Himalayas. It's far north in the country of India. Mm-hmm. And it's when, in what they call the border roads area or their borderlands. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the, uh, the roads there are not in well well-kept condition, and they are kept by the um, Indian military. And my Hindu host, who was in, you know, taking me up there, he said that that's partially because they want to keep the roads in a way that they cannot be easily traveled by uh, soldiers from China. It's ah, okay. Interesting phenomenon. But, you know, it's the power of the, well, the Indus River. Let me tell you about Lay. Let's go back to there to begin with. Now, how do you spell Lay? Lay is spelled L E H. L E H. L E H. Region and of Lad, a region of Ladakh. Uh, Ladakh. In the region called Ladakh, which is spelled L A D A K H. Okay, in India. In India. Okay. And um, Lay is uh, considered well. In fact, it's considered a very uh, spiritual area. It goes along with the uh, concept of that when Christ was um, between the ages of 12 and 30, what's known as his lost years, mm-hmm. that Christ may have traveled the Silk Road to India, Tibet, Nepal, you know, that part of the world. And the famous painter uh, Nicholas Rorich, uh, he's a Russian painter and, and uh, author, has painted this uh, stupa, a religious, uh, like we would call it a temple or a church, but the Indians call it a stupa, S-T-U-P-A. He's, he's painted this painting, and it's called The Crossroads of Christ and Buddha. And it's a, a stupa that was in Lay, in the Ladakh region. So it's a highly spiritual area. It is near the Indus River. A tributary of the Indus runs through Lay. And the Indus River is famous because, um, oh gosh, back many, many uh, hundreds of years in Indian history, Genghis Khan was stopped by the Indus River in his conquest of that part of the world. He did not go into India because the Indus River stopped him. And a a week after I left Leh, this tributary of the Indus River and the Indus River itself flooded. And the tributary uh, flooding wiped out much of the part of Ley where I had been walking just one week earlier. And that is, uh, again, people's homes and People's homes, the market area. Uh, There's a Tibetan children's village that I had visited and interviewed the director, and um, that had some damage, although I read later that 
it was not damaged so much that it was, well, they were able at the village to take in some of the homeless people from Lay, uh, whose homes had been wiped out because of the flash flood that came down through that area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you know, I wonder about the water supply. You know, we, we as Americans, um, when we go abroad, we're not accustomed to some of the, um, uh, the biological items uh, that occur naturally in some of the water elsewhere in the world, so we drank bottled water. I wondered you know, what it would have been like for me if I were, had been there. And I think this is important for all of us to relate to as we think about our connectivity with each other. Uh, what would I, as an American, have experienced had I been there at the time that it flooded, the, the, the tributary flooded? Uh, would I have been able to find water safe enough for me with my American stomach to drink? Would I have been among those who Your were... American immunity system that was... Uh, your immunity has been uh, built since birth to live where you're living. Exactly. See, our immunity system, people don't realize uh, that where you were born and where you were living or in recent regions or wherever you will go, you have to build up an immunity to where you're at. Yes. And, uh, Robert, that's also why companies are saying... And I will go back to, uh, and I mentioned it this week at the expo, Walmart has been saying they would like to start buying their produce and the food we're eating closer to their stores, not so far away, so that when when the the, uh, food arrives to the store, it came closer to the regions of where you're living. Now, that sounds very deep thinking, but they want it to be uh, fresher, yes. They want it to be healthier, yes. But it also, there's a long-term analogy that if you're eating food closer to you, drinking water closer to you, your immunity system will begin to build for you personally as an individual. If you go to another country and you're in another country, all of a sudden you're having to build that immunity protection up for you personally that, like you said, if you had experienced it, what would have happened if you had to start drinking water because you got to have water. If you had, if you were drinking water that was not suitable for your immunity, you could end up very deathly ill, if not die. You know, yes, exactly right. And so I wondered, would I have been able to be helpful in a humanitarian way uh, to the people who were there, or would I have been among the the injured or the dead or the missing, uh, exactly. the, the injured because of my immune system not being able to handle uh, drinking? water that was not trucked in and bottled. Sanitation comes number two. If there's no, and you're used to, uh, your immunity has been used to uh, uh, proper, excellent sanitation. So if you can't have the water, and good water, healthy water, and then all of a sudden you have no uh, sanitation protection, Uh, all of a sudden you're at mercy of nature, uh, really in nature, uh, because man made uh, cleaner water, made water healthier to be able to drink and safeguard it, hopefully, uh, not all, but we've worked at it. And then we came along with modern sanitation to also help us fight those diseases and build up that immunity protection. And audience, everyone needs to understand, that's what it's all about. You personally, as an individual, is so unique. You're building on your own immunity protection. And we don't know what that might be. (laughs) Only you will learn that. But Robert, uh, have you? You're going back again this year to India. 
I believe that I am. I've not made my reservations yet, but I want to go back to Lay. I want to see what that uh, experience or, or see what what it's, that community is like today. Uh, a year later, or it would be, yeah, I would go back about a year after it occurred. Mm-hmm. would be sometime at the end of July mm-hmm. when I would go back again uh, because right now it's, it's too cold, too snowy up in the Himalayas. So mm-hmm. I want to experience and see what that area is like again after the, uh, they had that, um, you know, their own little tsunami, if you will, the flooding of the river that uh, came through there last year. Now, when you were there uh, in the time before, did you did you take uh, uh, did you take your uh, you probably bought bottled water or did you take means to filter the water with the new uh, what do they call irradiation pens? Um, what did you take to be able to drink enough water? Water uh, bottled water was readily available okay. uh, everywhere that I was in India and other parts of the world where I felt it was okay. necessary to uh, drink water that didn't come from their their sanitation system mm-hmm. or their water uh, filtering system. So, you know, bottled water as a commercial product was not an issue. It was always available. And by the way, how much did you pay for your water per bottle uh, when you were there? Do you remember? It was not expensive by American standards, but that has to deal with the uh, rate of currency exchange. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the rate of exchange in both Russia and India was very favorable uh, Mm -hmm. to what we would pay for similar products here in the United States. Give me an idea. Was it a dollar and fifty cents? Per bottle, how much do you think it was? Just throw a figure. I'm thinking it was in the area of 30 or 40 cents a bottle. I I thought you might say that, but I was just The the exchange rate would be about... Have you ever paid $2 a bottle in America? (laughs) Uh, For some of the larger bottles, yes. Yeah, I know. I can't. Sometimes you look at it. But anyway, back to... uh, Now, when you were there, what did you learn? Oh, I... In India, I saw a great dichotomy between a highly spiritual country and where the spirituality even in, in, is incorporated into the culture of the society. As my host said to me, Hinduism is not just a religion, it is the way we live. And on the other side of that uh, continuum is the poverty, the, um, the people living in the streets, begging, uh, a massive, massive population. I heard you speak in your opening remarks, Sharon, about the population of the world being almost 7 billion people. Well, a very large percent of those people are in India. So oh, that, 1.2 billion. Yes. So yeah. they are, uh, that 1.2 billion are an economic factor within right. their country. Uh, but yet, I think because of the spiritual aspect, people like my host give, uh, give some of those people work. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my host is a, a sports physician who runs a clinic, mm-hmm. and he has a, a, a smallish staff of about five or six uh, people, and so they have a modicum of traffic coming in, considering that uh, each patient would be in to see a clinician about a, for an hour to an hour and a half uh, for an appointment. And so there isn't a whole lot of people who would come in and out the door, and yet my host family has hired two people to be door people. Oh. You know, so that's part of how he is helping the society of his country by employing people. Mm-hmm. I was able to stay in a guest home that has actually very few people stay there, but there is one person who's responsible for keeping it clean, whether somebody is living there or not. And that's again another way that this, my host was giving back, paying forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, just, well, in, you in, know, in, I'm glad you brought that up place. because I have employed a lot of people in my lifetime, and and I look at the economy all over the world. That's the key: is we've got to figure out how we can reach, uh, uh, help others by keeping. Uh, people have to have a job. They have to have money coming into their pocket. They have to sit down at their kitchen table and put the bread and the water and the milk and, and the vegetables and the nutrients on the table. They have a good attitude, a good eye, thinking and healthy. But they've got to get into maybe some transportation and pay for it. We've got right. to move. We've got to keep more everybody moving, and we, we have to do that together. And it's more than just having the commodities on the table. There's a power of, of, of confidence you know, by having the, the power of an income. Power of coins in the pocket. Exactly. A person yeah. feeling that I went out and I did my job and I earned this money. is, yeah. is This is was a, not my extra the, stool, the, stool. Uh, uh, the tip of the day or the amenity of the day or my extra da. This was what I was earning and this is what I could go home and live my life and live with every with the planet Earth. Well, the nature of our Earth. We're back to the nature of all of us again. Exactly. We are nature. We're part of nature. And you know, there's something I like to think about, and you can feed on this for me. And when I look at another person, I don't compare. I look at somebody walking the streets with a sign who's had a challenge, who's had something challenge the obstacles, who came to what. I'm not going to. I'm not judging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going along on the pattern on Earth and looking, Robert, at what you do. Wonderful. What I do, ta-da. Uh, I go to other places on the Earth. Somebody has a bigger barn than I have. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. The visions of life, the visions of, 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 of being together. Uh, and so what you just said, what people all over the world should be considering is uh, we work hard and we yes we want rewards and as we get rewards we're giving others rewards and uh, we're doing this together and you know there's something too Robert a product being manufactured in an, a community like India has lots of products and they're keeping people moving by India producing a product not the building they're in not the real estate they're on a product that right. represents them going all over the world. It's their hands touched it. They touched it. It's their product of who they are. That's right. And that's something that provides a lot of jobs. Not the real estate. It's the product. Right? Yes. 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 And one of their big products is information technology. Oh, is it ever? You, Have I mean, you ever you had an answering about? service call you, or you picked a, called an answering service, and many of those are coming from India? Right. <laughs> in, in, it, in India. It, yeah. and, and realize that, and I've had some challenges with accents and trying to understand people from other countries in my travels and when on a technical support call, but realize that those people are speaking a second language to them because it's their way of trying to fit into the world the economy. Uh, I admire that. I do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all learning. We're all learning. We only have about three minutes left, so let's go back to your uh, uh, the, the experiences you had there and, and when you went on to, to India to relate to us on the food. Is there anything there on the health experiences that you would like to rela- uh, share with us? And what are you going to put in your book? 
That's another one. What are you going to write about? I'm putting in in my book the short stories that I experienced, mm-hmm. uh, the people I encountered. Mostly I write about people as well as peace and social justice and the environment. And mm-hmm. so these are people stories that I'm putting up on my website. And, putting, and because the stories are going on my website, I can put up a lot of photographs too. So it's visually wow. an interesting uh, way of presenting that, that media. Oh, oh gosh. I, I just, India draws me back. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that dichotomy. India, so you in many connect- ways. I'm going to say something to you, Robert Weir. You are connected to yourself in India. I, I think so. Or at least I, I, can I, I need by to the way you said that. do some more exploration. Because yeah. India does assault the senses. It, uh-huh. it, I mean, it's noisy, it is polluted, uh, visual pollution, the things. Oh, like, the animals uh, are everywhere. <laughs> right. But yet My you granddaughter went there. In. There are so many of these monasteries or stupas or holy people, shamans who are walking around on the roadways, that it's just absolutely fascinating. Monkeys? Uh, there were a few of those, yes. Uh, yeah. And cows? Uh, definitely. And yeah. wild animals of other kinds? Uh, not objectionably, at least where I was. Okay. No, not at all. Uh, okay. One other point I want to make in our closing moments is that you talked about people ringing the bells for Earth Day. Uh-huh. Well, the moment of equal pause uh, in, for Earth Day in 2011, the spring equinox, is going to be in the evening time. It's 7 o'clock something uh, on Sunday evening, March the 20th. And wouldn't it be nice if people would go out and so ring bells, and church bell. bells or hand bells, uh, some in the area of 7 to 8 o'clock on Sunday night, mm-hmm. and recognize that that is the moment when we are, our planet is in its polar balance between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, oh and God. realize our connectivity with all of our brothers and sisters around the world, no matter what country or language they speak or the color of their skin, we are all one human race, and humanity is one. the only race we have on our planet. One nature, one. Right. Yes, yes. and uh, again, uh, I just I enjoyed every minute of this again, Robert. Uh, I hope to have you on more. You have such a connection to what you're doing, and you fortunately have an ability to write about it. So tell us your website again before we leave. My website is robertmweir.com, R-O-B-E-R-T-M-W-E-I-R. And the talent to write and to speak is with the talent that God gave to me, and I'm just uh, fulfilling my gift. Well, God bless. Thank you. And our prayers are with Japan and around the world with all, all the other tragedies that are going on, that our people are fighting for the nature of their freedom of worship, prayer, and peace. And, thank and you, I'll say Sharon. that again with integrity, respect, and dignity, and I know that all takes courage and wisdom from all of us. And thank you, Sharon, as you go into your fourth year of broadcasting on thank your, you. your show. Thank you. You have right. a nice day. Thank you, Sharon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I have said... From the beginning of this show, when I started four years ago, the, uh, the guests is what makes this show exciting. I hope you're not missing any of them. You can go to the Sharon Kleiner Hour with World Talk Radio, Voice America, Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, Radio, Green Talk Radio, uh, and look up which shows you want to listen to anytime you want to listen. They're all so different, and they're all so absolutely the people behind them are committed to you, the nature of, of relationships around the world. I want you to know, embrace your love. Earth has a secret, and we're learning about that every day, aren't we? Earth's secret is embrace your life, but also don't forget the other person's life, too. 
And Earth is whispering, though, and I've said this from at the beginning of every show. Earth is whispering. Don't say goodbye. And the reason I say that, leave a footprint that you want to become immortal, that you left something <coughs> special of yourself for someone else. And give it back at all times. Always think about how you can be giving. I know you're working hard. You're giving back. But learn to think about never, ever, ever becoming vulnerable that, that maybe there's more to do for everyone on, the la- uh, on this planet. I want to thank you for listening, and you have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 